0: This is the Tulsa World Newsroom podcast with Jason Collington. I'm here today with Andrea Eager, our veteran investigative reporter, and uh, she's got another story. That's again, we assign Andrea these stories when they're complicated and they're about to make history. Possibly make history. Uh, we call Andrea. Uh, Andrea, your latest story is about this effort by the Catholic Church uh, to establish the what could be the first religious charter school in the United States here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, Andrea, tell me a little bit of what has happened so far and where we are at this point.
1: So this is really a test case, um, and the Catholic Church um, is, you know, very open about that. Um, it turns out that the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City and the Diocese of Tulsa, um, you know, that's those are the the structures, the the overhead, so to speak, of the uh, two sections of our state and all of those Catholic churches. They partnered. Um, together and started working with uh, um, a a clinic of lawyers um, who specialize in um, religious freedom is what they call it at the University of Notre Dame's law school about 18 months ago. And so a little over a year ago, a letter went um, from the bishop in Oklahoma City to the statewide virtual charter school board saying we intend to apply for Sponsorship of an online Catholic school, and here are all of these uh, legal reasons uh, um, why we expect not to be um, denied or discriminated uh, based on religious grounds. And so, um, you know, that was sort of uh, the first indication that um, that this was coming, that this was in the works. And then um, they went ahead and applied at the end of January, and um, and I spent a a little over a week reviewing a you know two hundred and fifty five page charter school application laying out their plan for this um, Catholic online school that could serve um, kids all across the state uh, like Epic Charter Schools does like Oklahoma Virtual Academy um, but it would be an actual religious school that teaches um, the Catholic faith um, throughout. And, um, and that would be the first of its kind in the state, according to, um, legal experts on this subject. So it's, um, you know, an Oklahoma-based news story that's getting national attention.
0: And one of the things that kind of, again, there's, there's twists and turns in this story, uh, luckily you have a long memory and you know that in 2016, uh, Oklahomans, uh, We're talking about all kinds of things related to this kind of topic because we had a state question. It was state question 790, and it asked Oklahomans straight up, do you want uh, taxpayer money being used for religious uh, activities, institutions? And as you reported, um, 790 went down 57% to 43%, and only 10 counties out of 77 counties in Oklahoma voted yes for this. And so that was the law. It's been the law since 2016. I mean, it's been the law. And then again, the chance for it to be reversed was in 2016. But kind of a curveball came uh, from our attorney general right before he left office. What was that?
1: Yeah, John O'Connor was the appointed attorney general um, uh, until uh, he left office the first week of January. Governor Kevin Stitt appointed him when our last elected uh, attorney general, Mike Hunter left office uh, through resignation. And um, uh, O'Connor issued this non-binding, it's called an advisory legal opinion. Um, And the Catholic officials said they were thrilled with it. It it served as a green light to them to go ahead with this application for this online charter school. And that advisory opinion um, cited case law, uh, Supreme Court decisions um, from the last several years um, that, that the Catholic Church in Oklahoma, at least, believes, um, you know, supports their case and this idea that government money could go to a religious entity and that, um, you know, to deny that funding and that kind of sponsorship would be discriminatory on the on the basis of religion.
0: And to add in another uh, curveball to all this, the, the state virtual charter just recently uh, added a new member. Uh, who is that member and what did you ask her?
1: Uh, the new member is ne- uh, Nellie Talos uh, Sanders is her name. Um, the first thing I learned about her is that her husband was in the, the Oklahoma State um, House of Representatives for a really long time, I think 12 years. And um, his name is Mike Sanders. Um, I believe they live in Kingfisher, which is in the uh, central part of the state. And uh, their kids go to Catholic school in Okarchi, a small town. And um, Nellie works for a Catholic-affiliated, um, Catholic-founded organization um, that serves, it's currently a residential center for adults with special needs. And um, they are working on um, extending into um, education, workforce-type training for um, their residents, as well as other um, s- adults with similar needs. And um, Ms. Sanders uh, told me as soon as I asked her, um, you know, I said, "Is it a coincidence that um, the Senate Pro Tem, Greg Treat, appointed you to this board, given you know this matter that is um, is about to be deliberated?" And she said, "Absolutely not." Um, you know, but she said um, she has been an advocate for different kinds of uh, learning needs that um, she said she herself is dyslexic and uh, her two children are dyslexic. And it's, um, you know, that that is a a big um, offering that um, charter schools, that online charter schools in particular Um, sort of advertise and promote that they're an alternative um, learning option. And um, the pacing uh, can be different based on a child's individual needs. Um, And so she said uh, she didn't think it was a coincidence that she's Catholic and, um, you know, works in in that space as well. And, um, but she also says she has an interest in passions in this area that she thinks will serve her well, and um, there are two vacancies still on that board. I think that's worth noting. Correct. Um, correct. The statewide virtual charter school board is is technically a very small state agency. Um, It governs only online charter schools. Um, That has changed a little bit over time. Epic Charter Schools, for example, um, has in-person locations where Um, The learning is still based on on a computer, but there are adults in the room. Parents can drop their children off. And um, St. Isidore of Seville Catholic Online School, um, you know, has proposed offering that kind of opportunity at Catholic churches around the state. They said, you know, there could be a handful of kids um, in a Sunday school classroom on Sunday, and those same kids could... Um, be in the same classroom on Monday um, engaged in this online Catholic school if they receive sponsorship. So, um, but this board, uh, the statewide virtual charter school board, has had three members for um, about, gosh, it's probably been about a year, um, getting close to a year now, and um, So uh, their third member was Brandon Tatum. He resigned in November to become Governor Stitt's chief of staff. When he did that, the the board's membership dropped to two. Well, a quorum of that board uh, is three members. So they couldn't hold public meetings by law in December and January. And so the appointment of Nellie Taylor Sanders solved that problem. They were able to meet this week. Um, But there are still two vacancies and um, the appointments uh, to fill those, I I believe, will occur before the March meeting. Um, House Speaker Charles McCall is responsible for one of those appointments and Governor Stitt is responsible for the other one. And uh, I believe that those will happen because, um, you know, it may be critical to this decision that um, that there be five votes, you know, it's hard to do anything if there's any dissent when you've when you've got three members present. It means everything has to pass unanimously or it fails. So and, um I, I believe those appointments are imminent. and one of the things that one of the big questions that when
0: when you look at the comments that were on this story on social media, when you when I've heard some of the chatter about this, is the Catholics have always had schools, many times very, very good schools. Why don't they just do this on their own? Why don't they just make a virtual school on their own? Uh, there, there are private schools here in Tulsa, across Oklahoma, uh, that the Catholic Church uh, uh, sponsors themselves, pays for themselves. Um, why aren't I? Why don't they just do this vir- this virtual school on their own? Why are they? What's the big thing of why they need taxpayer money to do it?
1: That. Um- coincidentally enough, probably not, was um, the question of the statewide virtual charter school board chairman at this week's meeting. Um, that chairman is Robert Franklin. He's a top administrator at Tulsa Technology Center. Um, service on that board is is voluntary. And so he is uh, an appointed member. I think that's worth noting, but his one of his first questions to the um, uh, people presenting this from the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City um, was, you know, that very thing. Why, if if there's um, a need for this or a desire for this, you know, why hasn't the Catholic Church done this on its own? Um, and there were two different answers. Uh, there were two presenters. Uh, one was a man, I believe, named Mike Scaperlanda. He is an attorney who um, represents the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City. And his first answer was, um that, uh, that there was a lack of, an, of imagination, those were his exact words, that um, it wasn't really thought of or envisioned until um, the pandemic hit and a lot of learning across the globe moved online. And, um, and then uh, the, the woman over uh, Catholic schools for the archdiocese made most of the remarks and, and most of the presentation to the board her response was a little different than his. She said, um, "You know that there is a need out there. That there are parents in places like Lawton, for example. She mentioned military families who, um, you know, have uh, need to relocate frequently, and the consistent choice that they make where they, wherever they relocate, has um, been Catholic schools. And so she said they have received calls from." places like Lawton where parents are looking for a Catholic school option and don't have one. Um, and she said um, that cost is a barrier uh, and that the competition, she said, these other online virtual schools, they are free. And so then cost comes into, um, into that scenario for parents because, um, and for the Catholic church because the other opportunities that parents have to choose from for online schooling. Are free, so th- that was their answer. Um, Mr. Franklin didn't indicate publicly um, that he was satisfied with that answer, um, and um, and there were other questions, particularly from uh, Mrs. Sanders, the new mis- the newest member. She had a lot of questions um, about uh, the this proposed school's ability to serve students with um, different learning needs. Um, dyslexia came up. Uh, Mrs. Schuler from the Archdiocese um, mentioned that um, dyslexia is the most um, common special education need that Catholic schools in our state see currently. And um, and Mrs. Sanders um, challenged her a little bit more about um, the ability of the Catholic Church to serve, um, and I think Mr. Franklin jumped in there as well, in asking about um their ability to serve students with more profound special education needs. And um, the response was, well, we don't have much of that currently. It's something we would have to uh, work on.
0: I I think one of the things is, is, again, we are kind of at a time right now where we've got uh, either you or Carmen uh, Foreman at the Capitol, Barbara Hobrock, Randy Crable. Uh, Lindsay, crabble uh, Burton, we're writing about education. it seems like every day uh, and, and since the start of this legislative session and of course every almost seems like every day before then. Uh, the future of Oklahoma uh, education in Oklahoma is on the table. Uh, and this is the latest thing, I think you would agree that has now come before the decision makers um, as as the governor, the state superintendent, many m- members of the legislature who think one way or another, um the House uh, Republicans, just we just reported just today, uh, Carmen said a, a breaking story today that the House Republicans uh, here in Oklahoma have, have put out their plan when it comes to how to deal with school choice. Um, this is a lot of things are on the table here yeah. when it comes to the future of public education, the future of funding education in Oklahoma. Um, it seems like this is just another thing that is now uh, being talked about and will be decided on pr- very likely as you said, it looks like something's going to be decided on this in March possibly, possibly. Um, and and again the legislative session is going on right now and these things are being uh, pitched and going to be voted on here in a matter of weeks. Um, you've been covering education for us for a long time. Uh, is this are we are we in a new time of of so many choices to make? Uh, as taxpayers and and as voters in Oklahoma, then? Yeah, I mean,
1: something is happening, and this is not a coincidence um, at all. You know, a lot of these um, so-called school choice proponents, they know each other. um, They work together. They are um, supported by the same few organizations um, in our state, and, um, you know, interestingly enough, I think uh, I felt like Uh, for a month or two, when, you know, after it became apparent that this charter school application was going to come in, I I think that was known right at the beginning of December, um, after O'Connor's opinion came out, and it made it very clear, you know, that the next step was going to be this charter school application. Um, I I felt like uh, everywhere I turned to ask, you know, this is a really big deal, isn't it? I mean, this could represent a, a whole other kind of sea change than the idea of private school vouchers that has been um, bandied about and was a, a major issue of the gubernatorial and state superintendent elections last yeah. year. Yes. Um, and I felt like for a couple of months there, everybody that I asked like, wouldn't that be a big deal? They, I think a lot of people um, underestimated the potential impact for for this, they saw it as an online school. You know, the the globe has just been through a pandemic and a lot of parents who never dreamed of trying online education would never have made that choice otherwise have now experienced that. And uh, I mean, gosh, in our state, we saw um, virtual charter school enrollment surge um, during the pandemic. And now, um, you know, those numbers have dwindled back to pre-pandemic numbers, Um, the people who, who tried it during that time, uh, you know, have um, made different choices after the fact. So um, I think it was viewed as a strictly online school idea initially. But um, when I asked um, Brett Farley, is um, the, the individual that the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City made available to me last week to ask questions um, to so I could fully understand Um, the application, things I didn't understand in reading it or that weren't clear to me um, and to get some of the context of the why and and how. um, Mr. Farley said, this is not just an online school, that their idea is that, uh, to use his words, he said uh, to pipe German class into Bishop Kelly Catholic High School in Tulsa if if the student wanted to take it, that they could go to a dedicated classroom at Bishop Kelly a current existing Catholic school student and go in and take a German class through Saint Isidore of Seville um, Catholic online school and um, in that moment I thought like I wasn't you know I wasn't off course and asking like the potential for this is is much greater than it might seem to some people on its face now um, the proposal calls for the school to enroll as many as 500 kids the first year and they their plan, To grow, um, you know, at what they believe is a manageable pace, um, includes the statement that they will self-cap at fifteen hundred students by year five. So it's not going to be another epic charter schools with, you know, twenty thousand students, 25,000 students, you know, within a few years because of their own growth plan. But, um, you know, um, and also the idea of part-time enrollment would require a change in in, in law. Um, we saw that issue brought up in the criminal charges brought against the founders of Epic last year. Um, they were accused of falsely inflating um, the, the enrollment numbers of that school and self-dealing, self-enrichment um, through part-time enrollment of students in a public school. And so um, I think there are some you know questions unanswered about um parts of the plan and um um, the biggest question obviously is the constitutionality of it and um, that's where the statewide virtual charter school board left things um at their meeting this week you know was to say we've got to figure this out we've got to get some legal advice um it's worth noting that mr o'connor is not our attorney general anymore Um, He ran for election and um, he lost in the Republican primary last year to an attorney from Tulsa named Gentner Drummond. He's our new attorney general. And um, so I think it'll be interesting to see if um, there are any differences of opinion um, since uh, the leadership of our attorney general's office has changed in the last two months um, since that opinion came out. Um, It's also worth noting that the Um, attorneys who advise the statewide virtual charter school board work for the attorney general of Oklahoma. Um, They have assigned legal counsel from the AG's office. So um, yeah, the first question is, is it constitutional? And um, uh, the Catholic leaders in Oklahoma, again, it's both the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City and the Diocese of Tulsa who have partnered. Um, It seems like the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City is certainly Taken the lead on this, uh, there was no one from Tulsa at the podium um, this week at the statewide virtual charter school board, but they have the support of attorneys at, at Notre Dame who, you know, want to see this this change, this this legal precedent um, set, so that they could then make the case for, you know, um, religious affiliated charter schools in in other places in this country. So I also the, think it's worth noting that, uh, yeah. that you know that there are some national uh, Catholic education leaders who are uh, against this. You know that don't want government entanglement in in private Catholic education um, for kids. So you know it's sort of an interesting test case all around. You know even within the church, I think it's it'll probably be viewed as as a test.
0: Well, and again, like I said at the beginning, this if this if this is approved, it would be the first religious charter school in the United States. Why has there not been another diocese and another state uh, get this through? Are they fighting the same things that we're fighting, which is our Constitution in Oklahoma says we don't federally or federally or, or statewise fund religious activities?
1: I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it is. Um... You know, that there is more opposition to the idea um, at the national level within the the church or, um, you know, I'm not aware of another test case like this at the state level, but there have certainly been, you know, uh, attempts, local attempts. I mean, we've seen a couple of um, charter school applications, uh, um, you know, fail or charter schools fail to open here in Tulsa in the last 20 years. Um, because of religious affiliation being discovered before they opened, um, I think the last one was in 2016. That school went ahead and opened as a private school. Um, right. I'm not sure if it's still in operation. It may be. Um, and the other one was a little over 20 years ago, and it was not a. It was not affiliated with the Catholic Church. It was a different um, Christian denomination. And um, once that affiliation was um, discovered by the would-be sponsor of the school. That sponsorship was um, discontinued before that school ever opened. So, and we've certainly, I've certainly seen that happen in other places around the country, but um, yeah, I'm not sure um, at the state level that, that this has happened anywhere else.
0: And again it's not like we voted on you know th- on this question of of uh, using taxpayer dollars to fund religious things this was 2016 when state question 790 was on the ballot and again it over you know 57 to 43 it was rejected by Oklahomans so the the opinion of Oklahomans is we don't want to pay or you use our taxpayer dollars just to pay for religious activities religious institutions so we have the constitution, we have the, the, the word, the will of the people. Uh, but again, there's when, when lawyers involved, uh, everything can change because this, they're testing this, as you said, and we're going to find out here in a matter of weeks, uh, what's going to happen. What, what is, what is the next date that people need to circle on their calendar when it comes to uh, this story?
1: Um, so I believe it's the second Tuesday in March. Um, for some reason I've I don't think it's March 17th. You've caught me um, unawares uh, there. The second Tuesday in March should be the next statewide. March 14th, March 14th. Um, That should be the next statewide virtual charter school board meeting. Um, Again, if they can get a quorum, that's the other trick. You you know, no one can get sick um, or have a scheduling conflict when you've got a three member board. Um, So um, anyway, that's the next planned date. They have until the end of April to actually respond, and that response is a vote up or down. Um, but um, the chairman, Robert Franklin, said to me when I asked after the meeting, "You know, will this be decided in March or will it be later?" He said, "Well, you know, we have longer, but you know, I feel, you know, like this is a very big question looming, and we owe it um, to do our due diligence as quickly as possible to get these folks a response." So um, it, he indicated to me that he wished that they would decide as soon as possible. That would be that March meeting at the earliest. Um, So um, yeah, um, that's the main date. And like I said, the appointments of those uh, members to the two vacancies could occur at any time between now and then.
0: Well, of course, you will be there as you are always uh, at the usually in the front row of the biggest news stories that are happening in our state, especially when it comes to our state government and when it comes to education. So Andrea will be there report from there. We'll continue to monitor again if those appointments are made, we'll of course uh, let everyone know about that. And of course she'll be at that meeting on March 14th to uh, report the latest from there. Andrea, thank you so much for your time. This again, this is the newsroom podcast uh, from the Tulsa world. Uh, it is available on Apple, uh, Spotify, and Google. And we will catch up with uh, Andrea as this story develops. Thank you, Andrea. Bye.